This is more on Africa, on the Belgian Congo, and the first part of it, mostly hunting. Please join us in listening to the remarkable story from the life and times of Michael Butler. In this podcast series, you'll be hearing stories from the primary themes of Michael Butler's life and memoirs. Politics, polo, theater, and love. Please subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss a single podcast. And we'll see you on the other side. My grandmother, dearest... Uh, Baroness Duth had sent me a letter that I should contact the son of a friend of hers who was in the Belgian Congo. His name was Oswald de Chastelier. He was the Marquis de Chastelier. And she said that she felt that I would probably enjoy him very much. I contacted him and was told to go to Kostermansville, which is where I was at the moment, and to contact Count von der Strutten, who was his ADC, and get on the Chasselier's yacht and go across Lake Kivu. We cruised across this incredibly beautiful lake. I saw in the distance an island and on the island was like a Greek temple, a villa, like a Greek temple. And as we were looking at it, why a speedboat came out from the island and came towards us. And in the bow of the speedboat, holding on to a lanyard, was a very attractive young lady who was wearing a bikini. It was the first time I had ever seen a bikini. She turned out to be the Princess Deline. She was the wife of the game warden, whom I mentioned earlier, who was also noted for being a crack shot and a man with quite a temper. Subsequent events freaked out Oswald because I got a bit involved with the princess and we had a wonderful time together. Oswald was certain that Deline, if he got wind of it, would wind up shooting me. With Oswald's help, we arranged a lot of different things to concentrate on filming more guerrilla activity and hunting with von der Straten. Also, I wanted to film the capturing of okapis. Okapis were very unusual, strange, wonderful creatures down there. I guess you'd say they were a member of the antelope family and were very rare and were captured live for the zoos around the world. We had many other activities besides that. I remember one case where we found a python who was sort of unable to move because he had consumed something large. Well, we cut him open, and Lord behold, the python had consumed an antelope, antlers and all, and was just taking his time about digesting it. What an ugly thought. 
Another thing that we enjoyed filming and watching were the pygmy dances and also their construction of elephant traps, which were, was great engineering. Surprising what we would come up with and how effective they were in getting elephants. We had a lot of fun with them. Uh, bananas and peanuts were our principal lunch. Uh, another activity was shooting baboons, whom everybody hated, uh, and who were running loose, doing all sorts of damage, so forth and so on. One of the projects I wanted very much to do was to film the peak margarita, climbing the margarita, which was a great mountain in the Ruanzori range. We had a very interesting experience. Rudy Vanderstraten and myself, I shot a buffalo, but I didn't kill it. I wounded it. And lo and behold, I'd heard this before, but it really happened. Uh, this creature circled around to attack me. When he came out of the bush, Rudy was expecting it and was ready and shot him dead. On an escarpment, I don't think, it might have been the Shabunda, I'm trying to remember which one it really was, but it was escarpment, uh, which meant that it would go two days in one direction and two days in the other. I came across a stalled uh, vehicle, which was owned by an oil company executive, and his uh, driver had dropped the fuel pump bowl, and it broke into many pieces. Now, when I say fuel pump bowl, uh, in those days, fuel, gasoline, was pumped through a filter, and there was a bowl underneath. The real reason for the bowl, and this was in cars, uh, my car and other cars that went along, was to capture any sediment in the bottom of the bowl. And it was very necessary to take it out every now and then and empty it. And what had happened is that the chauffeur had uh, taken it out and then had dropped it. This was a bit of a disaster because here this vehicle was stuck. Uh, we couldn't go, and uh, they couldn't go. Only one car in the escarpment. Uh-huh. I came to the rescue. Uh, I should have gotten all sorts of things in response for having done this. What I remembered is that I had some scotch tape. And I took the scotch tape out. We pieced together the glass bowl, which was rather thick glass, so it wasn't that difficult to piece together. And I wrapped the tape around it, and then we stuck the bowl back in to its holder and moved the clip to fasten it in, and by God, it worked. I should have gotten an oil well or something in return for that, or at least an advertisement from 3M. All of the hunting and traveling those days used to be done in teepoys. And a teepoy was a chair that is slung between two large bamboo poles. I sat in it and there were two men in front of me 
and two men behind me, and they had head pads, and these bamboo poles would rest upon them, and they would carry me through the bush and rivers and all sorts of things. And uh, there was no, no qualms about it. That was the way you traveled. And also, I got over this habit, your gun was usually carried by a gun bearer who was supposed to stay alongside of you. That is a bit of a gamble. I wanted to get an elephant, and Rudy and I went out to shoot an elephant. I shot one, and then I shot another. And it was a it was exciting the first time. The second time, uh, the elephant was part of, uh, there were a couple of them around, and the one that I shot went down. The, his pal, the other elephant, wouldn't go away. We had to get the natives to make all sorts of noise and so forth and so on. He kept hanging around. It was really uh, a pitiful sight and it affected me to the extent that I have never shot big game since. A local chief offered me 750 kilos of ivory at 200 francs per kilo. Uh, I turned him down, I didn't want to do it. I had a better deal later on anyway, but that's amazing when you consider what that was worth in those days and what it is worth today. Well, next podcast, I'm going to deal with the volcano, which you're going to find very interesting. Please subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss a single podcast. And we'll see you on the other side.